Uh, if this is your first time to visit or first time in a long time, we would like to get to know you. There are connect cards on the back of the pews. If you take those and fill those out, you can place it in the offering plate later in the service. Take it by the Welcome Center or you can bring it to, uh, to one, of, one of us up here. If you're watching online, there should be some information come on your screen to tell you how you can get in contact with us. We'd love uh, to hear from you and love to uh, get to, get to know you and, and, and welcome you. Uh, on Wednesday uh, evenings, we're having a midweek Lenten uh, service. We have a meal at 5.15, followed by the, the worship at 5.45. We invite you to come to that. Uh, doing a series on the book of Jonah. And so we did the first three verses this past Wednesday, so you're not far behind. Uh, so invite you to come and be a part of that, that time uh, together. Uh, our call to worship is printed in your worship guide, is on our screen if you join with me. To you, O Lord, I lift my soul. I trust in you, O Lord. Help me to know your ways and lead me to know your truth. You are the God of my salvation. Show your light that I may walk in your ways. Turn my eyes toward your Fill me with wisdom and draw near me, for I may learn and grow in your love. Let's pray together. Oh God, you are always with us, even as you are this morning, as we've gathered as your people to worship. You seek us, you call us, you lead us. It is only when we turn to you do we find our reason for living and the abundant life that you desire for each one of us. So thank you for your amazing grace that has brought us to this place that surprises us, that comforts us, that renews us. Give us hearts of gratitude and forever let us sing your praises for it's in the name of Jesus that we lift up this prayer. Amen. You don't have to leap, but you can stand up and we're going to greet one another, pass the peace as the early Christians do. So let's join together. Let's pray together. Precious God, thank you so much for the sunshine today, for bringing us to this place. God, thank you for lyrics that remind us to worship you always in the good and in the bad, that you are here and that you're going to be with us in every good time and in every bad time. And so, Lord, right now, I ask that you calm the chaos of busy weeks and calm the clutter of busy minds and allow us to just be quiet and to hear you. And then in the next few minutes, whatever you need us to take into this week, the lessons that we need, Lord, that you'll put them forward in our minds and God, that we can just be a light to others for you. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.
Thank you, Daniel. Our scripture for today comes from John 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Last week, we started a new series where I'm focusing on the I am teachings of Jesus. And I pointed out that John built his entire gospel around these particular messages. There's a lot that's in John's gospel. It covers a lot of different things, but the transitions are almost all in the I am passages. The first reason that we're looking at these is because the teachings that John gave us, John's gospel was the evangelistic gospel. He, John wanted to, to bring the world to faith in Jesus Christ, and he was absolutely convinced that if people came to understand what Jesus was about and how much difference he could make in their lives, then they would want to follow this very unique and amazing man. The second reason that we're looking at these I Am passages is because they fit so well the vision that our church has developed for the next chapter of our journey with, with, the, with the Lord and, and in what we're trying to accomplish in this community. Last week I shared our mission statement and our vision statement. I want to do that again this week. Our mission Welcoming everyone in the love of Christ, growing disciples in the spirit of Christ, and sending servants in the light of Christ. And then our vision statement, to be like Jesus by bringing God's light into the world through love, hope, and healing. Those are our two guiding statements of our church. Every ministry and program that we do is built around those two guiding statements. But in order to try to bring those statements to life, we've also developed three objectives that we are using to try to activate those. Last week, we looked at Jesus' teaching, I am the bread of life, because that objective fit very well the vision next process that we have to grow God's kingdom to reach the next person by implementing new and creative ways to engage with our community through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our goal is to try to reach the next person. And, and the message that we are trying to give our mission field is that Jesus is the bread of life. He's the nourishment that we need for our souls. And he's the nourishment that we need to be able to live the, the healthy and full and complete life that God wants us to have. This week we're looking at the second objective in our Vision Next process, to expand our next generation ministries to reach more students and young people by providing increased opportunities for engagement with the gospel. The scripture that we're using is the one that I just read to you a minute ago, I am the light of the world. Why am I using this verse? Well, to answer that, let me give you a quick pop quiz. What was the first commandment? The first command that God gave in the Bible. Let there be light. <laughs> that was it. Let there be light. And there was light. Uh, Tim's been helping me out with that all morning. So. <laughs> One of the most important themes that you have in the Bible is the theme of light. In fact, God and light are so interconnected in the Bible that John goes on to say in 1 John 1, 5, God is the light and in him there is no darkness at all. That verse sheds a lot of light on what we're trying to say today. Jesus was comparing himself to the light because he was trying his very best to make a point. And the point is, 
Light is absolutely necessary for full and meaningful life. Everything we see is a result of light. The, the foods that sustain us in the course of our lives, they can't grow without light. What Jesus is saying is that we can't grow spiritually and we really can't become the emotionally healthy people that God wants us to be apart from the light of God's grace. We were created for light. We are drawn to the light. Light is how we see everything in our lives. When, when we were children, we, we weren't afraid of the light. We were afraid of the darkness. Why? Because even little children know that they can't see without the light. And if you can't see without the light, there are things out there that can be harmful to us, even things that we wouldn't think about being harmful. When I was a kid, we had a dog, and his name was Bam Bam. Somebody had named him before we got him, but he answered that name, so we just kept the name. Bam Bam was a little poodle mix, and he was a very sweet dog, and we loved him very much, but my daddy adored this dog. And what you need to realize is my dad wasn't really a dog person. He didn't usually care whether we had a dog or not, but he loved that dog. He would put him in the truck, and they'd ride around the county together, and if Dad was sitting on the front porch, you could pretty well be guaranteed that Bam Bam was going to be sitting right beside him. Bam Bam was a medium-sized dog, and he wasn't afraid of much of anything, but one thing that terrified him was thunderstorms. He slept in a doghouse that was, I'm telling you, the Taj Mahal of doghouses. My dad built this thing for him. It was insulated. It was pretty. It was, it was everything any dog would ever want in a doghouse. Anyway, that dog slept in that doghouse and was very happy to be there unless he heard thunder. If he heard thunder, he came running to the door and he would sit there and he would bark and he would howl until someone let him inside. Anyway, there was a huge thunderstorm that came through our community one night. And when it did, the dog ran to the door and Bam Bam started howling at the door. When he did, my dad jumped up and he started running to let the dog in. He was running down the hall. He didn't turn on a light. And my mother had an antique Singer sewing machine sitting in that hallway. It was made out of steel. Daddy was running down that hallway. He rammed his foot into the, that, that Singer sewing machine, broke two toes in the process, said things as he was going down that hall that he probably shouldn't have been saying, and he never slowed down, went to get his dog and make sure that dog got inside. It was a wonder to behold when he got that dog in. He just sat there and moaned, I think, the rest of the night. The next morning, I got up and I went to the kitchen, and I made a serious mistake when I got there. I walked in, I looked down, I saw Daddy's two black and swollen toes, and I said, why didn't you turn on a light? That was not a good move on my part. I I'd learned all kinds of things about myself that day that I didn't know before. Even little children know that you can't see what's in the dark without a light. If you want to navigate life properly, you need the light to do it. That's what Jesus was trying to tell us. But if you want to fully understand what Jesus is trying to tell us, you need to know the circumstances that, under which he was saying what he was saying, and you need to know where he was saying what he was saying. This particular incident occurred at the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles. 
the Feast of Tabernacles was basically the, the Jewish Mardi Gras or the Jewish Cinco de Mayo. It, it was a religious festival, but it was a festival of joy and it was a festival of life. Every year during the Feast of Tabernacles, the temple servants would put up these four huge golden torches that were as high as the highest wall of the temple. Each one of the bowls at the top of that torch held just over 65 liters of oil. And each night, those servants would go and they would fill those bowls and then they would light it on fire. And the light that came off of those four torches was bright enough to light up the entire city of Jerusalem. And you need to remember that even in Jesus' day, Jerusalem had about 600,000 people, about city about the size of Richmond, Virginia. So you have to imagine how large these torches were and how much light they gave off to be able to light a city like that. It was right in front of those bright and gigantic torches that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Right in front of the four brightest street lights on earth, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If you think this is bright, just wait. What Jesus was saying was, if we want to see the truth, we need God's light in our souls. And that's the point of the second objective that we are looking at today. God is calling us to reach the next generation with the light of God's truth. And we need to be developing as many opportunities as we can to try to help that next generation see that truth. We need to be dreaming great dreams. We need to be thinking outside of the box because if we don't, we're going to miss the opportunity to try to reach that next generation with the light of life. A few months ago, someone asked me how I felt about the future of the church in America. I'm, if you've read the last page of the Bible, you know very well that God is not going to let his church die. That is not going to happen. But I also answered their question honestly, and, and it wasn't really what they wanted to hear. I, I told them that I thought the future of the church in America is not great unless the church starts taking evangelism a lot more seriously than we have in the last 30, 40 years. There are a lot of churches right now that are growing, and they're growing rapidly, but most of them are growing with what we pastors call transfer growth. It means that people in church A start looking at church B and they think church B is doing something that church A is not doing and so they decide to move their membership to church B. So what's wrong with that? Well, I would say everything and nothing. Both of those two things. There's nothing wrong with church B doing something that some of the other churches aren't doing. But moving from church A to church B does not grow the kingdom of God. The number of Christians in America has declined profoundly since the year 2000. And that's despite the fact that there are more large churches in America than there have ever been. People are moving from church A to church B. That doesn't do anything except grow church B. It doesn't add believers to the kingdom. It doesn't make new disciples. It doesn't make new Christians for anybody. We need to be doing more than just transferring our membership one to the other. Why? Because Jesus' very first 
order to the church was the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. God isn't calling us to swap members with the church down the street. He's commanded us to make disciples for Jesus. And we have to do that with the next generation because the generations that, are, that we are going to try to reach are the most unchurched generation in American history. We need <clears throat> to be able to say, well, we used to be able to say those kids... When they get married and they have children, they'll come back to church. No, they won't. They didn't grow up in church. They don't know to come back to church. Our denomination did surveys <clears throat> just a few years ago of all the major colleges and universities in Virginia. And would you like to know what they discovered about Virginia Tech? Over 60% of students at Virginia Tech did not grow up in church. And of the 40% who did grow up in church, 21, about 20% say that they have no interest in going back to the church. There's 80% that have no interest in faith. The generation that's going to church right now, the millennial generation... That's the last generation who's going to go to church because they were raised to go to church, which means the churches that are growing by leaps and bounds right now will be declining like a rock within 10 to 15 years. Why? Because they're growing predominantly with transfer growth. And if it keeps going the way that it's going right now, there won't be that many people to transfer to another church. The bottom line is that we have to expand our ministries to reach that next generation. We have to provide more opportunities to try to engage that next generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've baptized more people this year than we have baptized in the last several years. And it is wonderful. And I am glad because everybody we baptize in this church is making a public profession of faith. I am so glad that we are doing this. But what we need to remember is we need to be baptizing people every week, not every three months. We need to be leading young people to faith in Jesus Christ on a regular basis. Why? Because Jesus is the light of the world. When we start walking with Jesus, we're, we're moving from the darkness into the light. We're, we're moving from what is to what can be. We're moving into a world that's full of possibilities that we can't imagine without the light of God's love. Back several years ago, I went to Charlottesville to make a hospital visit at the UVA Medical Center. We had someone there who was very sick, and I went in to check on them. But what struck me was when I walked through the front door, there was this big sign that was hanging down from the ceiling, and that sign said, Imagine the Possibilities. I don't remember exactly what they were, what the campaign was they had going on. I think they had a campaign going on for the, the United Way, but what, whatever it was, what I remember about that was how that sign struck me as I walked in there. Can you imagine the possibilities that can come to life when the light of the world becomes the light of our lives? I don't know how many of you have ever been to Ruby Falls in Chattanooga. But it's a beautiful waterfall that that's, exists hundreds of feet underground in a natural cavern in Lookout Mountain. 
When I was a kid, my dad took me up there to see that waterfall, and it was a really wonderful experience, except for one thing. As we were going down the stairs into that cavern, cavern suddenly the lights went out. They almost never go out in that cavern, but they went out that day, and, and that was the deepest darkness that I have ever experienced. You literally couldn't see your hand right in front of your face. When the lights went out, very quickly our guide said, please don't move. Stand right where you are. The generators will come on in 30 seconds if the power has not come back on, but don't move. If you step wrong, you'll fall and you can knock everybody in front of you down when you do. Just stand still and wait for the light and then we'll start moving. I remember that like it was yesterday, but it wasn't until I was an adult that I actually understood the truth that that could be behind that if you're trying to walk in the darkness not only can you fall over whatever it is that has become your obstacle but your choice can knock down other people around it it can affect their lives it can lead them to go down the wrong direction the darkness that can exist within us can not only affect us but it can start affecting everyone else that is around us as well but if you wait for the light, the possibilities that are born from the light are absolutely endless. And the beauty that can unfurl in that light is just breathtaking. I'll never forget when we got to the bottom of that cavern, I looked up and I saw this waterfall that was coming down and the light that was hitting it and, 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 the, and the light that was reflected out of the droplets of that waterfall. It was unbelievably majestic. The light that comes to us from God is unbelievably majestic. Jesus wants us to believe in him. He wants us to walk in his light. And he's calling us as a church to form as many opportunities as we can to reach that next generation with that majestic light of the world. He's calling us to take risks. He's calling us to step outside that traditional box to, to make whatever adjustments that we need to make in order to bring as many people into the light of God's love as we can. John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But in John 5, 14, he said something else. He said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they put it on a lampstand to give light to the whole house. Jesus is the light that can shine to the souls of every person who will believe in him with faith. And Jesus is calling us to reflect that light, to be that light that shines to the world in which we live. So today, what I am asking is, let's choose Jesus. Let's choose to walk in the light. Let's choose to create as many opportunities as we can to shine that light to the next generation of life. And let's imagine the possibilities that God can create if we'll join together to shine that light to our world. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I come to you today with faith in my heart, with faith that we can become what you would have us be, that we can accomplish what you would have us accomplish, that we can do what you would have us do, that we can be what you would have us be if we will only join our hearts together with yours and if we will see that light 
that you are offering us. Help us, O Lord, to not just see the light and to let it live within our souls, but help us to want to reflect that light to those around us. It's easy for us to pay no attention at all to the people that's around us. It's easy for us to become complacent and to just accept the world as it is. But that's not what you're calling us to do. You're calling us to believe that your light can change us from the inside out and it can change everybody that we choose to reflect it to. So help us, O Lord, to become your dream in this world. Help us to try to make a difference. Help us to shine the light. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. If you've come here today and you've chosen to give your life to Jesus Christ, then we would love to talk to you about it. If you want to give your life to him but you're not sure how come and let us talk to you about that and try to show you how if you want to join our church and be on mission with us we would love to have you we're being called to not only accept the light but to reflect the light let's do the best that we know how to do to make that happen and let's trust that the lord will turn it into something if we'll let him now now may the lord bless and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and give you peace this day and every day now and forevermore amen God bless you, everyone.